you know, I work in a community that's pretty comfortable. They have the resources they need. They travel and they travel and they go to really nice hotels. So they don't all really, they don't always really understand how people are living around the world. So I feel like it's my responsibility as an educator to open their eyes to that. And, you know, because I'm in a community where people have resources, I feel it's our responsibility to take those and use those to make the world a better place. So I hope to just open their eyes and inspire them to act and, and create positive change. Hello, friends, and welcome to season five of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians, wherever you are in your journey. It is filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as future ready librarians. I am your host, Shannon McClintock Miller. I am the district teacher librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and I serve as the Future Ready Librarian spokesperson. I have the pleasure of working within my librarian school community and also with others around the country and world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. Today, I am so excited to welcome my friend Andrea to the podcast and we have been just planning what we were going to talk about because there are so many things, but I know everybody's going to love the conversation that we have today. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm excited to be here. I know. Let's just start by having you introduce yourself and tell a little bit about what you do in the library world. Excellent. So I'm Andrea Trudeau, and I am a, uh, a no-shush librarian is what I like to call myself, but officially my title is Library Information Specialist, and I just started my 25th year in Deerfield District 109, which is a public uh, school district just north of Chicago. Um, this is my eighth year in the library, so I was a longtime classroom teacher, eighth grade ELA, eighth grade social studies, seventh grade social studies, and then got an itch for a change. And then when the librarian put in for retirement, I went back to school and got my certification. So here I am. And I've decided this is like the best job ever. So I was fortunate to step into a really well-established library and um, have been able to transform the physical space as well as the philosophy of the space to really take a human-centered approach. I really believe that it's part of the school and I really like to have the effect of the library felt throughout our school community. Um, other than my library life, I am a PhD candidate at Northern Illinois University, getting a degree in instructional technology, and my dissertation research looks at uh, virtual reality has uh, how it affects adolescents' empathic responses. And I'm also a mom of two school kids, happy wife, and uh, just very busy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love all those things. Well, and over the summer, right over the summer, I think is when you went, we followed you on a journey across the world when you went to Africa. And that's what I would love for our listeners to hear about today. And I think that what you shared, not only on social, but as we watched while you were there, but as you have been sharing um, since you have been back, I think is just such a neat journey and story. And so 
I would love for you to share that with everyone today. Yeah, so this was not something I had planned. It's funny about this time last year, I don't even think I had interviewed yet for this uh, situation. So Northern Illinois has a program called Educate Global, where they take um, student teachers to different parts of the United States and even in the world to teach. And so I had an email box and it said, you know, we're looking for graduate students want to go spend five weeks in Tanzania and Kenya. I was like, oh, that sounds really amazing. But it was last summer, which was when I was working on my candidacy exam, which anyone that's working on a PhD knows it's like a really stressful time. And it was pretty much like the worst time ever. So I, I threw my name into the hat. I had to like fill out an application and be interviewed on Zoom and ended up um, being accepted and was able to work with my committee to figure out how to make this all happen. So my journey actually began last winter because we spent, there were 14 of us, so seven undergrad students and seven grad students. And um, this whole experience was funded through a Fulbright-Hayes grant that three professors at Northern had acquired. And so we spent weeks um, learning Kiswahili, um, learning about the culture of East Africa, learning about education out there, and just getting to know each other because we were going to get to know each other pretty well on this trip. And then we ended up leaving on July 2nd. And it was the wildest trip for me because I brought four huge suitcases, about 200 pounds of stuff, and came home with maybe like 30 pounds because I gave away like every shred of clothing except what was on me, all these books, because I had um, wonderful people that donated books and school supplies and posters. Um, and when you get there and you see just how impoverished people are, you don't want to bring anything home. So we flew out and we spent about two and a half weeks in rural Tanzania and two and a half weeks in rural Kenya. And uh, part of the trip was also getting to see, um, spending time in cities. So in Tanzania, we spent some time in Arusha. We also went on a safari and got to camp in the Serengeti. And yes, I heard lions roaring while I was in a little tent. <laughs> and then I know it was crazy. I, you know, my husband joked because I've camped only one time or twice in my life before this. And I would complain about daddy long legs. And he's like, you realize there's going to be like hyenas and hippos and lions. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but I think, you know, I keep, I have to say it was the culture shock coming home was harder than the culture shock going there. The people there are some of the kindest, most welcoming, most beautiful people I have ever met. And um, I really enjoyed the experience because I felt I was there and I was just very open to what came my way. I mean, the way of life is very different. Um, you know, we were dealing with situations where there's a lot of power outages. We didn't have hot water sometimes. You know, you, I got COVID when I was there and I didn't have the comforts of home. Um, and so you just have to kind of suck it up sometimes. And it just, I don't know, there was something really beautiful about the whole experience that when I came home, I actually cried for about three weeks every day because it was so hard to come back here because the people there are just incredible. And I think it was more than just like a, I'm visiting, I'm a tourist. It was, we were really immersed into this experience and I got to really connect with students. I worked with students for two weeks at a time and got to know them. And I'm luckily, I'm luckily still like staying in touch with many of them through WhatsApp and Instagram and email. So 
I wondered about that. Like that was one of the questions that I had today was just like, number one, like how you're staying connected to them and also like how you're sharing this amazing story with your kids that you work with every day. Yeah, I was, I'm so lucky to be in a school that was just super supportive of this experience. So when I came back, um, the eighth grade team reached out to me and they said, we would like you to tell your story to all the eighth graders. So the science teachers kind of gave up their classes for the day and we had um, all the students kind of come through and I gave four different presentations about an hour each just highlighting what the experience was like and the lessons that I learned and just showing them pictures and opening their eyes as much as I could. Cause I feel like, you know, I work in a community that's pretty comfortable. They have the resources they need, they travel and they travel and they go to really nice hotels. So they don't all really, they don't always really understand how people are living around the world. So I feel like it's my responsibility as an educator to open their eyes to that. And you know, because I'm in a community where people have resources, I feel it's our responsibility to take those and use those to make the world a better place. So I hope to just open their eyes and inspire them to act and and create positive change. Um, one lesson, though, that was great was the science teachers reached out to me. They were doing a water unit and they read a picture book called The Long Walk to Water or Naya's Long Walk to Water. And I said, you know, I saw this every day because we would take a bus to uh, the school in Tanzania called Nagina, and that was a private school. So if you're in a private school, you stay on the campus and you eat there and you get, you know, your books and everything you need. But if you're in a public school, some of these children are waking up very early. And I'm going to say girls. It's not boys do some work, but girls it's really going to be on the backs of the girls. They get up extremely early. They carry uh, these jerry cans, these like big diesel fuel cans that care, that hold about five gallons of fluid, and they weigh about 45 pounds when they're full. So they're walking miles to go and fill this up with dirty water, take it back. They have to gather firewood. Then they need to boil the water for their family. Then they have to walk miles to get to school. Some of them walk up to three miles to get to school, and the roads there are treacherous. <laughs> It is rocky. I mean, we were driving and there would be these these beautiful like rock formations. And and the guy that ran uh, drove the bus was saying, he's like, you don't want to go up in there. There's black mambas like they'll kill you. And some of these girls also get preyed upon by men. I mean, it's very dangerous for these girls. So they're spending hours in the morning getting the water, you know, hour to get to school. They may not get to eat until dinner time, if at all. Um, and then many of these girls don't have menstruation products. So when they're bleeding, they stay home because they can't go to school. And so some of them end up dropping out. So I wanted the kids to understand, like, you are so lucky you get to go to school. And you are so lucky you can just walk over to that bottle filler and just put your bottle under and the water pours in and you just drink it. And I will tell you, ever since I've come home, I, th I literally thank my faucet every time I turn it on because... I know now how hard it is for these girls and what they have to do to get their basic needs met if they can. That's amazing. What an experience. I'm sure that you just want to take like your family there. <laughs> and yeah, I actually am planning to go back. They have, uh, so TDS, Tanzania Development Support, they have helped uh, this school in Nagina and they 
um, brought Wi-Fi there. They've built a, a library there. So I'm in connection with their librarian, Moses, who's amazing. And there's a professional development center there. So we spent, we started our days in that area. And so they do a, um, they have like a, they call it a killy climb. So you can fly out, climb Mount Kilimanjaro with some of the girls and the staff from the school. And then you get to go to the school and visit the school. So I, I'm going back and I'm going to bring my husband who's never left North America, by the way, <laughs> and maybe talk my kids into it. Cause I just think, I really feel like everybody needs an experience like this. It just, it has profoundly changed who I am. Oh, that's so neat. How, like for our listeners, how do people help or or get involved? I think that's one thing that whenever I see you talk about it, because we've done things at our school in Via Meter before where we've sponsored girls education in Africa and we've done things for kids that are in Des Moines. And so I always love sharing with others, you know, how we, we can help where we're at and we can do things around the world to help others. And so please share, and then we'll make sure that these uh, resources are also attached to your podcast too. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, right now I'm doing a donation drive that can be very tricky because you have to find someone that's trustworthy to get the stuff over there. And it's very, it's costly. It's $30 a cubic foot to mail everything over. So the best bet for listeners at home that want to help is to donate to help scholarships. Um, in Tanzania and in Kenya, it's anywhere from $650 to $800 a year to educate a girl. And you truly are saving a girl's life. This is a place where in some of these impoverished areas, girls are being sold for bride price. Like their families need to eat. And when they have a 12-year-old girl and there's a man who's interested in marrying them, they may accept cows and marry their daughter off to an adult man. And that girl then loses a chance to get an education. And if her husband were to die, she gets passed along to another male. She never gets to be independent. Or And I think about like the loss and potential, like the loss of brilliance that we're not tapping into because she just doesn't have an opportunity. So educating girls in this region is so critical. And so um, if people are willing to donate to uh, the Tanzania Development Support Group, that helps Nagina, the school that I was at. The other school I worked at was called JAMS. And so there's an organization called Friends of JAMS, and they um, also help educate girls. Um, I also have changed my Amazon smile to each of these. I kind of flip back and forth because, you know, we all buy stuff on Amazon and then a certain percentage goes to these organizations and they can use it to help the facilities and help get girls into, you know, into school. Oh, that's great to know. That's an easy thing to do because yeah, we're yeah. always looking, we all use Amazon. So that is an amazing, yeah. idea. well, that's great. Yes. And I think too, like just thinking about how you, you are staying connected to the girls. Like I would just love to hear, you know, what that looks like. I can't imagine, I mean, listening to you brings tears to my eyes. Cause I would be completely moved as well if I went there and would have a hard time not thinking about them constantly. And so I'm sure that you just love being able to stay connected to them through Instagram or WhatsApp. And, and that's really a neat thing too. Yeah. And you just brought up a good point. I think when I came home, it was really hard to adjust because I came home to like my cushy life of turning on water and grabbing a Starbucks and, you know, having a roof over my head. And 
I knew how people were living in this other part of the world. And it just like, it really tormented me for a while it, uh, because it's, it's just so hard. They're such lovely people. And I, I want to just like give them everything. And I know I can, I'm going to do the best that I can, but to know that they're still living in this place in poverty and I'm here, it's like, I just want to help and do whatever I can. Um, but staying connected has really helped. So it's cute because I can tell when they've had computer time in Tanzania, because all of a sudden I'll have like 10 emails in my inbox <laughs> and, um, they'll say hello. And right now, um, well, I've reached the point of being called mama, which is actually a really big deal in East Africa. So if you are called mama by, um, a child, that's, uh, just the utmost respect of a woman. So I have a student, Quadencia, who writes me often and she's, you know, always saying, you know, Pola Mama, Habari Mama. And she actually, tomorrow, all of them are going to be starting their national exams. So they all take their, they get their education in their third language. And so they will be taking their exams around English. So they learn mother tongue, then they learn Kiswahili. And then depending on in Tanzania, about high school age, they learn English. In Kenya, they'll learn about third grade, they'll start learning English. But all their instructions in their third language, all the testings in their third language. So all of my students starting tomorrow are going to be taking a three-hour test for every subject they take. Guadencia has 10 subjects. She has 30 hours of tests ahead of her in the next two weeks. Oh, my gosh. That is just crazy. Wow. So it's like very traditional. I was able to observe and it's just like teacher at the board, writing notes on the board, kids writing notes in the notebooks, reciting it back. That is it. Um, I brought markers there and coloring pages and stick together posters. They had never seen these things before. Um, I gave them a pen. You would have thought I handed them a million dollars. That's going to make me upset. It was hard. Like just... Yeah. And when they, I read them a book, Shannon, and they had never had anyone read a book to them, like a children's book. And then when I was done, I gave them the, you know, I'm like, who wants to carry the book? And they would hold it like it was a baby. Like they cherished Mm -hmm. it. Like I've never seen a book cherished like this. And then they'd all race to the library after because they know I would donate them and they wanted to check them out immediately. That's so cool. What a neat thing. Capstone, they sponsor a community, a village in Mexico. And so Eric and I have been a few times and Capstone has built like, you know, a library and they've built like a medical center and a school. And I mean, and we're talking like very, you know, cinder block type, you know, these are kids Mm -hmm. with no floor. And so Mm -hmm. I have experienced things like that, that, you know, when you put up a little free library and they come and get the books, you know, that just to see them and those things are just so dear. And so I'm sure that anybody listening to this is going to take this and want to help. And so I'm glad that we talked about those ways that people can, you know, donate or support or help and, and reach out to you too. And so tell everybody Mm -hmm. as well, like where they can find you online and how they can reach out to you too. So I do have a website, um, noshushlibrarian.com. So you can just email me at Andrea, noshushlibrarian.com. Um, I'm also pretty active on Twitter and my Twitter handle is Andrea underscore Trudeau. So that is probably the, those are the best two ways to get a hold of me. Oh, I'm so glad you were on. Now I'm just all emotional and like, okay, let's all help. 
I love it. You're amazing. Thanks for everything. That Thank you, you. And for sharing your story. And I can't wait to see what you do next with this. I think it's, it's really great. I want to go now too. So, <laughs> well, I, I maybe, you know, it's funny because they were like, maybe we could get a bunch of librarians to come out and do a librarian's I, trip. So I would totally might be, go. Might be a possibility. Okay. Where can I end? So I think that would be so amazing. So thank you so much for just sharing your story. And we appreciate everything that you shared too, just as an amazing librarian. So you're so great. So everybody, Shannon, oh, you're welcome. Everybody that's listening, you're going to be able to find Andrea's information also attached to this podcast, along with a certificate of professional development that you can download and fill out to use. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library, and a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. We make a difference in our library schools and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything that you do. I hope you can take what you learned in today's podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library.